0: Hey, and welcome to Content Briefly, the Superpath podcast that explores how content teams operate. We'll be talking to content leaders from the world's best SaaS brands to understand how they think about strategy, org structure, KPIs, reporting, meetings, tech stack, and more. You'll learn exactly how these teams operate smoothly and efficiently. I'm your host Jimmy Daly, founder of Superpath. We're a 10,000-person-strong content marketing community, and the best place for content professionals to network, learn, and support one another. Come check out our Slack group, job board, blog, salary report, and more. As we get this podcast off the ground, we're eager to get your feedback. Please feel free to email podcast at superpath with any suggestions or ideas. And if you like it, we'd love if you could leave a rating or review in whatever podcast app you use. This episode is brought to you by our friends over at Writer. Writer is the generative AI platform built for business. And unlike other AI writing tools, Writer learns from your best content and style guide. You can actually feed it text, PDFs, videos, and podcasts to train it on your own brand voice. From there, you can embed Writer directly into your workflows. They have built-in integrations with tools like Figma, Contentful, Google Chrome, Google Docs, and Microsoft Word. Or you can customize your own workflow with their API. We actually recorded a series of tutorials so that you can see Writer in action. We'll link to that in the show notes. We cover some common marketing tasks like brainstorming blog post titles, repurposing content for sales, spinning up copy for social distribution, and about 10 other use cases. You can learn more and kick the tires over at writer.com. Okay, I'll get out of the way now. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Hey, everybody, welcome to the very first episode of Content Briefly. Today, we're going to unpack Crossbeam's content strategy, team, execution, etc. We're going to get into a lot of details, but um, first, Sean, could you just introduce yourself for people who may not know you and your work?
1: My name is Sean. I'm the VP of content at Crossbeam. We're about a 110 employee company. I think we now with an office in Philadelphia where I sit right now, but we are a fully distributed uh, B2B SaaS company.
0: All right, let's, let's get into this. So Crossbeam partner platform for sales teams, that's oversimplifying it. Can you explain the company and the product? Uh, and also, who is your customer? Who are you guys selling to? The easiest way to describe uh, Crossbeam, we use the phrase kind of like
1: data escrow. So I have a list of CRM, some data you do too. Crossbeam will uh, allow us to combine them and only share the information that we have in common and none of the information we don't have in common. People use us for procuring partner data to help their go to market motion so that I can sell direct or I can pull in a partner and sell. I can market direct or me and a partner can go in together and produce something. Just any of your GTM departments can benefit using partner data and Crossbeam in some way. So our main customer is usually someone with the title like VP or head of partnerships or RevOps and sales leaders also end up leading on Crossbeam.
0: So this is, I mean, to me it sounds like as bread and butter as B2B SaaS gets.
1: Yes, yes, like requires uh, two businesses. uh, And what's what's cool about it is it's a true network effect business, which is if all your partners are already on Crossbeam, it's a no-brainer for you to do join Crossbeam. So it's really fun to run the content org for because it becomes a de facto—I don't call it a community, but a network of people who understand what this is.
0: Yeah, that's really cool. That's really cool. How about the marketing function specifically? I'm curious about the content team. I'm also curious about marketing as a whole. Like, what components are there? Like, do you have you separated out content, demand gen, brand, et cetera? And then where does where does content fit within that?
1: Sure. So you can think of the marketing team. There's three. There's three teams within that that. Team I lead, which is content and events, and uh, brand design, though not product design, but brand design is also on my team. And then product marketing is its own team. And then our growth team is a third team. And those are okay, the three cool. teams under market.
0: So you've been at CrossBeam for three plus, coming up on f- yeah. four years, yeah. I think, right? What does your team look like now, and how has that evolved over the last couple of years?
1: Team right now is seven, including myself. When we started, it was me. Uh, I was employee number 14. Yeah, so to, so to think about it is, Crossbeam is a, is a new thing. Like It was a way of discovering partner data that didn't exist anymore. So the founders of the company, Buck Ryan and Bob Moore, knew they had to educate the market before they even sold into the market. And content is one of the many ways in which we do that. So that's why bringing on the content hire a little bit earlier made sense for this company. So as a, when we started, it was a lot of me interviewing our customers or would-be customers. And just figuring out what their pain points are and essentially writing career advice for them and then using that to inform the sales process but also educate the people reading us what is this thing that crossbeam does we call it oh, it's a part of ecosystem platform what is that how can i use that who is using it what are they doing with it once we got that kind of positioning at least on like somewhat solid ground then we Hired more writers. We hired a content marketing manager to help manage the campaign. We brought on our brand designer onto the team. He he was working for CrossFit but then joined the team. A video producer and animator who does our video work and an events producer. And that brings us to all six.
0: I want to talk a little bit about some of those roles, but I also want to ask you about how you and your team communicate. Is everybody remote? Are there more of view- you? Are there more folks in Philly? What's your like? Do you have like a weekly cadence meetings, ups one on ones, or you know, kind of whatever other formats that you all use to kind of stay on top of everything.
1: Yeah, I'd be curious, people listening to this do, but the content team is kind of almost like three pods in of itself. So we have events, right? Then we have the brand and design aspect. So I, the video, uh, Kyle and Nick, the designer, that's a group. And then the writers, which is um, Alayra Ramirez and Zoe Kelly. And then Jess Rowe is our content ops specialist who kind of is like the connected tissue that makes sure all the campaigns are run. Every Monday, I have one-on-ones with everybody. And then every other... Every individual, yeah. And then every other Friday, we do a content team meeting where we go over all the campaigns we're doing in Notion, check in on everyone's tasks. Some discussions that happen via Slack, we'll say, you know, like, save this. This this should be happening fluidly and synchronously I'm mm-hmm. um, at the content team meeting. And then every Thursday, once a week, we have what we call our writer's workshop, which is led by um, Olivia Ramirez, who people bring drafts, they bring ideas, they bring think like headline suggestions, like whatever they're struggling with. It's a, it's a creative meeting, it's a pitch meeting. It's a chance to like read each other's work and level level it up. So cool. Uh, that sounds like a fun meeting. That's it, that's yeah, that's one of the most fun ones. Um and actually Olivia does a good job running. We do a we do a cool down at the end of every one where you talk about something you're proud of, something that happened to you last week and something you're anxious about that you could use help once. So it's a very like friendly, community, it not community, creative uh, meeting, it's m- one of my favorite ones to attend.
0: Yeah, that's cool, you know, so many meetings, I feel like part of the reason folks hate Zoom these days is because every meeting like has an agenda, you say your update, then you tune out while everybody else talks. But actually getting together as a team to work through problems in real time is really fun.
1: I think a content team is a creative team and a creative team works best when you trust each other, when you're loose, when you feel like if you don't have it that day, your team's going to come help you out. And if you treat everything, yeah, like a, a meeting with an agenda or everything's a metric to hit, it can feel cold and it, it already feels cold enough if you're remote because everyone's a flat Zoom screen talking to you. So we have to work extra hard to add that warmth. I think we all know when we meet in person with a creative team, it feels lively, it feels fluid, it feels good, it feels it, 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 it fills your cup up. Um, you have to do that as much as possible remotely as you can, and sometimes you have to do gimmicks like the cool down.
0: Seven People is a pretty big team. I'm curious who you report to, and then have you found yourself needing to advocate for that? I mean, it's set, mm-hmm. that content is an important part of the overall marketing strategy, and there's to probably tons of opportunity to grow out the team to do to do more.
1: Yeah, uh, I report to the CMO, and that's actually fairly new. We just hired our new CMO, Alex, who's awesome. Um, a few weeks ago, previous to that, I reported to the CEO and founder uh, Bob Oren. Previous to that, I reported to the CRO, uh, our former CRO, Jess Waldeck, who was also great. Uh, so I reported to three different C-suite executives in my time here. When it comes down to like, how do I advocate for resources? I think it advanced to still on company stage, right? So we were in the early like startup stage. So we didn't we didn't even have like product market fit to say nothing of like, is this content working? But my directive at that time was create the category, right? create help educate the market that we exist and also the people who do the job of partnerships often have in the past had no tools for them or a few tools for them and no kind of career advice or things made for them they often felt lost right so our strategy early was actually really fun it was trying to help those people as much as possible and like they, we are still trying to help that audience as much as possible but as we mature just simply creating the calendar uh, category, just simply brand awareness isn't enough, right? You have to grow that audience and often make sure that the people you are attracting are the people who can actually use it and pay for your product. And that's kind of the, we're kind of like the, the teenage years or early 20s of the content program. Like we've proved our worth, we've done some of the early stuff well. Now we need to scale with the company, we need to grow with the company and the responsibility grows with that to say nothing of the current market conditions where, you know, efficiency and and revenue are king after growth was king, you know, for three years.
0: I feel pretty good about like content team structure, you know, how you guys communicate so maybe we shift here to more strategy stuff this is very timely because you're about to or by the time we release this you'll have published an article six mindset shifts for scaling a content team we'll obviously link to that it's a follow-up to a piece that you wrote a couple of years ago maybe maybe 18 months ago I guess one of the things you called out in here which i found to be super interesting is that the content marketing industry is fairly mature meaning that strategy is not necessarily the hurdle any longer it's execution did you find that to be true at the beginning or do you find that to be true as you scale, right? Like I'm wondering if um, those early years sort of forced creativity, whereas today, as you're more of like a scaling mindset that there's only so many tactics out there. So really the job is just to do them as, as best you can.
1: I think a lot of the talk about content marketing strategy and like new tools or new things is like, kind of dancing around right? like, you have to know who your audience is and then you have to get them to want to pay attention to you and get them to find value in the things you put out. And it sounds really glib and like flippant, but like that simple idea is incredibly difficult, incredibly difficult. And to me, like that is, that's execution, right? Like it doesn't matter if you accomplish it via seven second TikTok videos you put out every day or 150,000 word opus once a quarter. Like it really doesn't matter as long as that goal is accomplished. So that's what I mean. It's an execution game where the the varying tactics that you choose to execute that could just like differ immensely, but you're not going to discover some way of doing that, or it's going to be rare to discover some way of doing that that just hasn't been attempted yet. There, yeah. There's not a lot of fertile ground. I think one of the reasons because of that is like the tools we use to you know quote unquote consume content are the laptop, are the phone. SaaS as itself is like pretty mature. So unless someone invents like a brand new hologram machine or like new platform, I mean, AI, like people are like as bullish on that as being a whole new opportunity, maybe. But like, until that happens, we're really dealing with the same tools in our toolbox. And rather rather than searching for the different tool, just look at the tools in front of you and be the best user of that tool. And I think a lot of, you know, extra time is wasted of people looking for a better hammer when you have a hammer right in front of you.
0: That makes me think of email, which you talk about in that post. Which is like, yeah, it's kind of, to me, email's like one of the hammers and most people are like, you know, it's too, it's too boring. Yeah. Yes, it's boring to say you got to build
1: a list and let communicate give value and everyone be like, yeah, I know, but give me the shiny thing. And I'm like, no, d- doing that is so hard, is so hard. It's, it's like when you watch a cooking show and like Gordon Ramsay makes everyone make an omelet and everyone's like an omelet is easy, but like to really nail an omelet on a French chef level is incredibly
0: difficult, it's very different. Um, yeah,
1: right, right. And that's like, that's, what I urge, I think you have to find joy in doing that. And like, I'm not saying we're even there where we need to be, but like that cycle of improving on that to me is a better use of time than searching for a brand new channel.
0: You, you write in the post that you've built, you you and the team have built a newsletter list of over 50,000 people in three-ish years. That strikes me as really impressive because I think one, people are less uh, less committed to email than they were, say, five years ago, but two, there's just a lot out there, you know, like, you're yeah. competing. I mean, obviously, like, attention is uh, in short supply. Can you talk a little right. bit about that? Like, I'm imagining, a, like, a clickbait article that's, like, uh, how we grow our email list from zero to 50,000 and these five simple steps.
1: It's, like, and again, it's, like, makes up people want, so, like, the, it is so difficult, right, so we send a weekly Tuesday newsletter, and, like, you could debate whether we even should be doing that is the best way to do that, but that's one way we we service this email list, and, we think constantly about like, what do they like? What, how do we put in a voice way, How do we make something that's worth the time of them opening and clicking it? And like the best feedback I can get, and I know anyone that runs an email list gets this, it's like, hey, when I see your email, I'd open it right away, right? Because I know it's going to be valuable. Yeah. That trust is so hard to earn and keep. It's so hard, it's so, it's, it's so difficult. And I don't think it should be brushed aside that that's true. And I think as brands get, and as companies get bigger in the scale and the pressure to grow more, they lose that like humanity, right? That's a relationship, the the inbox is a relationship. And they lose that on the net chasing some metric. And then they may have short term growth, the long term they're doing like damage. And like your job as a content leader is to balance these two things, right? Like, yes, I am not naive to a business. I need to prove a bunch of numbers, yes. But I also need to like clear the way for my team to execute creatively, to make the best email, to make the best video, to write the best blog posts. And I think that is the job of a content leader at a company at our size and, and, and maturity.
0: Yeah, there's okay. There's a few things I want to follow up on there. One is metrics. What I guess I'm asking is was it a leading indicator of your success or was it a byproduct of something else you were doing? I think it's a leading indicator. So, my belief,
1: again, like thinking long term, you can build organic traffic, right? But like Google can switch its algorithm and has it, like, has wrecked whole content programs, right? Yeah. You can. Even you're seeing it with LinkedIn all over right now. Like people are leading into LinkedIn, and I see them tweak the algorithm and just like wipe things out or make it like much more difficult. Like company pages on LinkedIn actually like don't do so well right now. I'm observing right. It's like the it's like individual sharing right. Just like they can make these little tweaks and just totally disrupt months of work. But for email, that's largely not the case. I'm not saying Gmail can invent some filter that will change things, but like. It's more of a, it's an open protocol and it's more of a direct relationship. So I, if I have to invest 10 hours of time, will always spend it building the email list because that is an audience I can return to and I know I'm going to reach. And that's not the case for nearly any other platform.
0: Okay. This is interesting. This is again, a kind of a recurring theme that we see popping up in conversations in Slack, where there is some tension between audience building which I think email kind of falls under that yeah. uh, category, and then organic traffic growth, which kind of sends teams off in a different direction. Mm-hmm. Where does the SEO fit in for Crossbeam? Is it something that you've pursued aggressively, or is that kind of like the next frontier as you think about out of scale content as the company grows?
1: So I, it's the next frontier. So you know, to get to get in the weeds, our audience growth, I'm seeing it like starting to like level off and the growth rate, right? It's not this like rocket ship it's been. And what that's telling me is we're producing stuff that's servicing the existing audience, but we're starting to decay a little bit on the stuff, just reaching out to new people. So that does include organic travel, right? It also includes like content partnerships. It also includes, um, you know, swapping, like doing co-marketing with different people. Like we have all the different ways you reach new audiences, right? So I will be like, yes, we will be like leading into SEO, but like, there will be other versions of that to acquire new audiences. So in the past, uh, for the first like year and a half, I didn't even care about SEO really. I was like, what are the community of people talking about that's relevant and like, how can I meet that? And then as a result, we ended up actually ranking for something. So as an example, one of our very uh, basic posts, that's like, there's a lot of acronyms and partnerships. Here's what they all mean. and. That ranks very highly for SEO for reasons you might expect. It's like a definition post, right? It's like, yeah, part, like like the meat potatoes of SEO. But the reason we wrote that wasn't SEO. It was like I kept talking to people and they would say I find the terminology extremely confusing. I wish someone would clarify. Right.
0: Perfect setup. Um, yeah, yeah.
1: So like that's how we led to that. Now as I like keep an eye on I we use hrefs, uh, ahrefs, href. I don't know. I don't know the right way. Uh, ahrefs. Um, things like uh, co-marketing as a use case for crossing. It's really important we like rank well for that. And when we don't, yes, I do like deploy some things to make sure that we rewrite that post or publish that thing or check our category page. Um, so I do I do that in a reactive way. And what I think we're moving to as we scale is to be a little more proactive and expanding our organic traffic footprint, especially as as a SaaS company, we're expanding personas. So like right now we're really talk only talking to the partner persona. Now we're starting to talk to the sales persona because our product is starting to have, like also be useful to the sales persona as well, right? So we have to follow the business in that way.
0: Yeah, that's cool. Okay, speaking of talking to personas, another thing you touch on in that post is that that you and the team really embraced this idea of journalism thinking. Basically, you've kind of created this environment for your team to lean heavily into subject matter experts hear what they have to say, and then that, let that lead the way as you all are thinking about a topic you might write about, as opposed to exporting a list of keywords from some tool and then figuring out what belongs in that article. Has that been hard to scale? I mean, I imagine that there's a sweet spot of a company where in the early days, it's kind of like the lone wolf figuring it all out, you know, just reacting mm-hmm. to whatever they're learning. Then you sort of hit the phase where it's like, okay, let's let the subject matter experts guide us. But then you hit the next phase where it's like, okay, now we have really have to grow, right? And so like are yeah. our levers, SEO, like you mentioned, becomes one. Can you talk a little bit about how you've created that environment? Are there any, maybe it's like you've hired people who have journalism backgrounds and yeah. let them do their thing. Or maybe it's sort of like that you've advocated to leadership that, you know, you want to bring in expertise from you know, quote unquote influencers to help uh, level up growth or whatever.
1: The reason we advocate for that is this market of like using partner data and ecosystems to affect your go-to-market motions. right? Like your company is some version of what I'm describing. Like the thing you're trying to service is changing so quickly that the people who understand best how it's going, what their troubles are, what's working, are the people in, in the trenches, the people doing the job. Yeah. And so if anything, you can think of it as like, if you reframe it from like subject matter experts to, um potential customer interviews right it's like, yeah, yeah essentially yeah, what it is right you're realizing the things they that's working and not working and then you're reproducing that as the leadership but also i have aggregated and collected a bunch of insights and so has our staff right? and given it to our sales team like hey i keep talking to people that say x so this is something that's going to come up and occasionally the sales team like we're seeing that too right and then, so that's how it's getting like a hey that's, that's beautiful where the markets go right um but then you know, as we grow, something funny started to happen is we went from being an observer of the space to an authority of the space, right? Because we've talked to so many people, we have so many um, resources for that, that I've been on calls where people are like, I'll say, you know, how are you conducting co-selling? And they'll be like, I don't know, man, you tell me, you guys are the experts, right? So it's something that we're trying to trying to balance is like, yes, keep talking, but also, you know, one of our, one of the things we're imparting onto the market is this concept of ecosystem-led growth, you know? Whatever you are using to grow, put your ecosystem down on top of it and it will go faster, it will go better. And so we've actually had to shift a little bit from interviewing people about what they're doing, more saying like, hey, we're looking at this space and this is how we're seeing a potential like growth avenue for you, the people reading this blog. And then, you know, as we put that out there, people will raise their hand and be like, oh, I'm actually doing that. And now we have a bunch of more examples, right? So it's kind of like this, it's look forward, look back. Like we look at what the market's doing now, we maybe make some, predictions or analysis on ways it could help with data and our own analysis, and then flip it and then interview them about that. And we just kind of like bounce back and forth between that. And I think if you, Freeman is just like, I'm making content interview and subject matter, if that's like a hard sell. But if you're saying like, we have the pulse of the people who are our best customers or could be our best customers, I think that's a different like business proposition.
0: To me, what it, what it says about Crossbeam is that like from the top down, there is a strong emphasis on really understanding and knowing the customer. And it also sounds like Sales and marketing alignment is pretty strong, which is also a beautiful thing. How much content does Crossbeam create on a weekly slash monthly basis and what types? Obviously, there's blog right. posts. So are you doing webinars? Are so you doing, you know, kind of like what other like buckets of content are you, are you all working on?
1: Yeah. In general, we do a blog post every once a week, um, usually Thursdays, but sometimes we do Fridays or Mondays. We send out a weekly newsletter to the list, but we suppress for an activity, right? So if someone doesn't open it for a while, you don't get the newsletter um, every time. Sometimes we'll do a, a re-engagement campaign. Um, that's every Tuesday. Every th- one Thursday a month, we do our customer newsletter. So this is like, hey, here are all the new features happening in CrossBeam. Webinar wise, we do a thought leadership webinar. I would say quarterly-ish um we have one coming up on february 14th um and then we also have a series of as needed for like launches and things like that well called product webinars right so like how do you do a specific thing in the product is your team responsible for that stuff i mean it sounds kind of product marketing we we work we work in concert with the product market okay i do a great job doing the content and the the bringing the guest on and we got it. try to make sure technically it runs well as well as getting in front of as many people as possible Got um, it. but yes they definitely do a ton of work there. And uh, I'm trying to think if there's any other thing.
0: Um, any, any gated assets, ebooks?
1: Yeah, sorry. So, yes. Yeah. yeah, so we do um, our state of the partner ecosystem, which is a survey of the space gated report that that's, happens in Q1 every year. Um, we have an occasionally updated, like, call it like encyclopedia. It's called the partner playbook. It's like, hey, you are starting from zero. Here's the thing, here's everything you need to know. That's our most popular um, gated asset. It hasn't been updated probably in a year almost. And we have a series of like smaller things like the CrossFit guide to account mapping, the CrossFit guide to co-selling, the CrossFit guide to vetting and integration. These are all just like use cases for our product. Yeah. Combined with like thought leadership as well, as like here's how to do it in the product. So it kind of blurs a little bit the traditional content role in product marketing.
0: Let's talk about events. So I'm um, you talk about events uh, quite a bit in this blog post. The first thing I thought when I read it was, events and content, I mean, I guess events are content, but you don't typically, it's like most content teams don't operate podcasts either because it's a specialty medium. And so usually you bring in people who know what they're doing to do that. I, at least sort of in my own experience, that's, there's like an events team. They sort of deal with that. Like maybe we'll help them publish the content later. How does Crossbeam think about that? Like it, it sounds like events are actually quite integrated with content to the point where you even have a dedicated person on your team.
1: I always think of events as publishing, right? Events are like a capstone of the, what I would call like a reader experience, but you might call like a customer experience, which is like, you hear about us via blog posts, you begin to trust us because we're producing insights that are useful to you. Maybe you then pay for Crossbeam, or at least use like the free tier of Crossbeam. You download our reports and like, like use those to benchmark your partnership team. Like you end up trusting us. And then to me, the final act, or one of the final acts or, or most like engaging acts you can do with the brand is I will get on a plane, leave my family for three days, listen to other people talk about partnerships and listen to like a curated experience which Crossbeam is me for me, right? You have to trust us immensely to do that. And I think that should feel like a cohesive journey from the first blog post I read to the event itself. Like it is either the capstone of the pre-buying journey or maybe you bu- you've bought it and it's the capstone of like, um, the customer journey. But either way, getting someone to physically show up and trust you with their time and money is like just the hardest thing and a tremendous honor. And I think a content team is well suited to do that because you're the one, the tip of the spear, helping to build that community of people. The people who produce and write and star in your blog posts are future speakers, right? The people who yeah. react well to like your webinars can be like leading a workshop one day, right? Like the content you do should be like the early proving ground for someone to eventually represent you at an event. And I think this is all connected and better when this is all on the same
0: team. That's so interesting. Are events a line of revenue? Or is it a marketing function? Like, is there an events P&L? Or do you just consider whatever costs associated with it as just part of your marketing budget? The
1: answer interesting going to expect is yes to all those things. Um, <laughs> I, I think I think broadly when we started events, so last year was the first full year of, of these events we didn't know what would work, what the market would react to, what motions would lead to sales, right? So it was very experimental. It was like, we'll do a little bit of this, we'll do a little bit of that. This year is us focusing in and on a handful of either like brand building or pipeline fill, filling events, depending on what the event is. And honestly, it's like a conversation we're still having. It's like, what is the best use of this limited time and money? Because events are very labor and capital intensive, right? So yeah. you're going to be really sure about the goal of one and that it meets that goal. And you know, I'm having meetings all throughout this month. honestly, on some events, we have planned of being like, all right, is this a brand one?' Is this We're like we we like want to make sure we and we don't have it nailed down. We don't. but we do know that if we and when we nail an event, it just has profound positive ripple effects throughout the business, whether that's customers, whether it's just like good vibes, whether that's people like paying attention to us. like I think the secondary and tertiary effects are great. now, I'm not naive, nor should you be the fact that things cost money, and if you put a dollar into marketing, somewhere down the road, it should be $3 back. Yes, and and we are held accountable for that, and we are trying to do a better job of tracking.
0: Got it, really cool. Can I ask you a couple just like small questions that have kind of accumulated yeah. in my brain as we've been going? I'm curious yeah. about measuring quality versus measuring data. Like, do you hold your team accountable to any key metrics? You know, you might read something that someone on the team writes and say, Oh, this is great but it doesn't achieve the kind of the objective results that you might hope for
1: yes yeah, it's, it's but sometimes you like don't know right whether before you release it but i i think right there's the creative in me wants to be like if you write a thing and 10 people effing love it that's worth like 100 people being like yeah about it yeah. we know that's not true that just can't be true right we can't have like these tiny pockets of people absolutely like and love like that the SaaS businesses have to scale at a ridiculous exponential rate in which that is like kind of hard to defend. The key is these things in balance, right? You don't want to ever feel like you're just running a content farm that's just trying to, you know, you're not trying to do up rocks, right? Or you're not just trying to do like snotty, like the New Yorker where, you know, I just well, want the right people to find this enjoyable and that's it. Uh, it there's a there's an in between. And I think the hard thing is, is balancing those two things with limited resources and, and allocating them accordingly. So like I said, I think actually, like we have focused too much on the let's service, the diehards and not enough on like let's expand. like. That's something I, I have in mind as a as a content like leader right now. is like, okay, maybe we need to like re- rebalance this stuff.
0: Years ago I heard Seth Godin on a podcast and he was asked, What tool do you use to write your daily blog posts? And he refused to answer the question on the basis that it doesn't matter. Yeah. Which I sort of appreciated, but I always am a little curious, like are there any tools you use that you're like, ah, this is really helpful? You know, whether it's team communication or for like keeping tabs on how each of your team members is developing professionally or, you know, measuring and attribution, is there anything in there that, uh, even just one or two that you feel like really stand out?
1: We, we organize everything in Notion. We publish everything using WordPress. Marketing Automation's HubSpot for like one-on-ones and like other like bull uh, management stuff, it's Lattice. We use Riverside to record video. Those are the big ones, man. I don't think any of that's like particularly earth shattering. I write everything in Google Docs. Yeah, so everything's in Google Docs. So like, yeah. thing. I would write things in Notion if the if the commenting and version control was a little yeah Yeah, better. yeah. That, that's, I don't think any of that's revolutionary. Sh- and this is what I mean by like, those tools have been around, like Notion's like kind of newish, and, and I wouldn't even say it's that new. All those tools have been around for a decade plus, like
0: every yeah. single one I just mentioned. How about content so, yeah. flow, content calendar? Is that all in Notion?
1: All Notion, yeah. So we have everything. You want to get really into it. We have a single database of every single task and deliverable as one database, and then we have a series of filtered, and timeline views. So like everything is tagged as like our, our yearly event is called Supernode, right? So every everything that's tagged in the Supernode campaign is filtered, and then I can filter by my name and be like, here are Sean's Supernode tasks this week, right?
0: Yeah, that's so one of the beautiful things about a tool like Notion is that it's so flexible. You can make it do or not do a lot of right. things. Whereas like some more structured tools, you just become trapped in. Notifications and email I, digest and stuff.
1: I talked to I read Ivan, the CFO, CEO, like many years ago when I was working for Vision, And that's something he said. He's like, everyone thinks that this is going to be a mesh of tools integrated with each other. He's like, but I think people don't want to do that. I think people want the one. And, you know, open debate which one. And I, I'm sure we'll see some consolidation and then i will split apart and then we'll see consolidation. But I think for the purposes of the creative process, a like the context switching is what kills you, right? A context switching. So I don't want to give you 9,000 things to manage. I want to give you one.
0: Let me just throw a couple more things your way. I know we're uh, very mindful of your time. AI, we could talk about AI <laughs> for a, a, an hour easy. I am curious. How are you thinking about it? Are you Have you found any immediate short-term use cases? Are you kind of thinking of some ways to integrate it or are you still, you know, not quite sold that it's, it's ready for like production use?
1: The AI for, it's like coming for content in an interesting way, right? Like people are like, you should just use Chat GPT and you can write your posts. My instinct is to say stuff made by humans is always gonna be better and that's that. I think that's naive. The history of technology shows us that that's not how it works and I think in, in the same way, I don't think it's a unique opinion. I think it's a tool to use to base your own writing and then approve it upon later. And for low stakes, like formulaic content, I can see a world where that is like produced via AI. But the problem with AI is it's always backward looking, right? Like it has to be trained on stuff that exists already. Yeah. It, it, it won't push anything new. So I, I do think the line will be, are you producing new insights, new, new material, new creative acts? Yes. Is it some collection aggregation of things that already exist. I can see this stuff starting to lead a little more to being like AI assisted. I don't know how that's gonna change like like content strategy because like I could right now, I could flood the zone with 10,000 AI produced things for keywords, but like also so can everybody else, right? So like, I'm not sure that's like to some sort of huge edge right now. And I I hope what it actually leads to is like an up-leveling of the more human stuff. Uh, like there's lots of, you know, even like music, right? Like I can use pro tools, but like I still need to be like a capable and competent producer and or performer to make that make sense, right? So yeah, I think it's gonna be like something similar with um, AI. There's a book that Tyler Cohen, Cowen, Cowen, the uh, economist wrote, called "Averages Over that was about this, right? It's like, what happens when automation and AI come for these more white collar roles, what happens? And like his recommendation was like, using the computers and AI to aid you as a tool, like you're additive, you, you collaborate with the AI. The much like a doctor may collaborate with like imaging software that scans for an illness to aid their diagnosis. There's going to be something similar on this like marketing creative content front. I don't know what it looks like, um, but I don't think it's going to like wipe everything out. And I also don't think it's going to be nothing. I
0: do yeah. think it's going to matter. Could you could you imagine the 10th or the 20th person on your content team being the like the AI? I don't know what the title is, but like it's the AI specialist person who who trains it, who builds the workflows and
1: there's a there's a suggestion that like now that the creation of content is decoupled from time you can just make a bunch but like it still takes a human being time to read it like it's not gonna be ai reading ai content i mean maybe one day but like right now that's not how it works like a human being has to actually read it and find to have the time to read it and enjoy it and want to share it and want to like sit with it right so like it's not the win i think people think it is to be able to produce stuff at this like much faster clip like the finite resource is always time so if ai can accelerate the time it takes you to make something that is worthy of someone's time fine but again the idea that like i saw someone be like oh i produced a book from a, a fifty thousand word book from a prompt and i'm like no one's reading that
0: they cool. that Um, That sounds terrible. (laughs) Okay, cool. No, I love it. That's cool. I feel like we're going to ask everybody about this. Even though I don't necessarily want to, I feel like we have to. Like, I feel like we have to gather very smart people's opinions on it. We have to use it. You know, we have to like understand these tools so that we can talk about it and hopefully advise people on it a little bit. I mean, what we're finding right now is um, there's a lot of small, as you said, formulaic stuff that it actually is really helpful on. For example, I neglected to include meta descriptions on our first 200 blog posts. You can just feed that. To an ISO and it's gonna write 200 meta descriptions in five minutes, and we don't have to do anything. That makes me feel really excited because no one was gonna read the meta description anyways. Yeah, but you, do you know what's funny? Do you know what those meta descriptions for? It's for Google, another machine, right? <laughs> yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, it's not. No one, no one's reading them. Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, I mean, I would imagine we'll probably find some other ways. Like, I think. At least at the moment, there's more opportunity for folks who do a lot of A/B testing, who run a lot of display ads. I remember
1: back in the back in the early days of BuzzFeed, they were A/B testing headlines, and that was like an interesting thing. And like that was like particularly labor intensive, and like now it's not, right? And like imagine the things that are labor intensive now, like meta descriptions, like becoming not like that frees up the actual human beings to do more and better creative work, right?
0: I'd... Yeah, totally. I also i i like i like the workflow type stuff. Like one of my happiest uh happiest like zones I can get in would be like building a workflow with Zapier you know and I sort of sense some of that coming to where like some of the AI stuff is going to be incorporated into workflows where you could build out something that pulls the blog posts you know analyzes them set the character limit and it sends it back via an API to the site like that kind of like workflow building I think is going to become increasingly important I find that to be cool because it's not really content as we know it it's more It's more automation. It's more ops type stuff.
1: Yeah, Uh, yeah. That's ops is a great point. Like, like content ops, if that's if that exists, right? It's like that's like I know people that use it. They feed a transcript to it, and they're like summarize the times this person talked about X, right? So like you still have to then take that and make it into something, but that like shaves like forty five minutes. Like that's tremendously exciting. So I, I to answer your like next question, I think it's like net positive. And even though my knee jerk reaction is to go live in a house in the woods and not connect any computers to it i th- I think that's it's it's gonna be additive and the, the way we have done content and content marketing and consuming content online has been so stagnant, I feel for so long yeah that it, it's due it was due for this and I hope there's three more disruptions in the next decade. It just makes things more interesting,
0: yeah, cool. love it all right I want to let you go. We're running up on time where where should people go to? Check in on the content that you and the team are creating and then where can they follow you personally? Uh content the team's
1: creating, uh, crossbeam.com, there's a little resources thing. I'm essentially responsible for all that stuff. Crossbeam.com slash blog. The for me personally seanblanda.com, s-e-a-n, and it's the same on Twitter, S-E-A-N Blanda. Uh be prepared for lots of Philly sports stakes. But um, if you care about this stuff, think about this stuff, like DM me. I like love, I hop on like several calls a month of people just running content campaigns and we like exchange notes and we talk about what's working and what's not and super, the Superpath community is obviously like, the dms of the Superpath community are like where a lot of like magic happens so um please i encourage everyone to reach out
0: awesome thanks so much sean appreciate you being guest number one and uh experimenting with this on
1: and super path what a great thing for everybody
0: <laughs> thanks man uh go eagles pains me to say that but uh that's... <laughs> thanks again man